responsibilities, jobs, and careers. We have another episode for you with um, a friend and colleague of mine, Kimberly Baker. Welcome to My Life Be Like. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Yes. Um, I'm really excited because I don't get a chance to do this in... (laughs) That has to be the best start to the podcast of the interruption by Slack. Work. (laughs) Yeah, work as per usual. Um, I don't get a chance to do this in person. Right, and so this is a, a great opportunity for us to connect <clears throat> and let the people know, hey, we're busy letting folks get educated about your your life and your job. So, um, Kim, if you just want to give the listeners a little bit of a background on who you are, and we can jump right into it. Yeah, sure. Um, so, let's see. I was born and raised in New Jersey. For anyone who knows Jersey, this is. Ocean City area, so closer to Philadelphia, and I ended up going to a private engineering school for college. Fell in love with math and science when I was younger um, and decided to pursue biomedical engineering and ultimately um, ended up really falling in love with marketing, got exposed through some co-op programs that I had, and ultimately pivoted my career and went straight into product management and product product marketing and have been in the medical device industry for about 10 years and I kind of like to describe myself if I have to think about like my personal brand and my, my pitch is that I'm global experienced but startup seasoned has been my kind of way of describing my experience and that's just been because I started my early career with some kind of fortune 500 medical device companies really seeing what excellence looks like at Mm. scale in product launch and marketing but really kind of sunk my teeth into really doing the nitty-gritty and the tactics and the strategy at small high growth startup companies so and that's where where you and I met is that (laughs) I I mean you said a whole bunch of words that I hope I understood so um phenomenal obviously so let's Take it from the top, right? At the beginning. Kim Baker, when she's eighth grade, ninth mm, grade in mm. Oceanside, New Jersey, what did you want to be when you grew up? Ooh, so it's interesting that I got into math and science because my mom was a social worker at a school for disabled kids, and my dad was a fireman. So my parents were both huge influences on me and really were supportive of of education and really wanting me to find my own passion and drive. But I think I really got inspired from both of them being kind of civil servants, if you will, and Mm. always giving back. And that career was more than a job or a paycheck to both of them. They both really loved what they did and would talk really passionately about their day at work over the dinner table, especially my mom. Um, And she was a huge advocate of really pushing me to get find what my my passion was and I remember going to her and I was a Girl Scout I think I was like I don't know 11 maybe 
and for some reason I got in my head that I wanted to be a neonatologist when I grew up. So doctor for premature babies. <laughs> and she, unbeknownst to me, found a way through the Girl Scout to have me shadow a neonatologist. <laughs> and I was, I think, I think I was 11, but I got put scrubs on, got my own little stethoscope, mm. and got to shadow a neonatologist. And I think this was one of like the most pivotal days <laughs> younger, uh, when I was younger. And I got to see all of the babies in the NICU and got to see all the like life-saving medical technology that supported them and got to see, um, got to actually see a live birth, which is probably a very another yes. odd thing as a small yes. <laughs> as a small child to be a part of, but it was really interesting just to see the whole healthcare operations, how the doctor really supported the mother, what happened when the newborn baby came out to test that it was you know, healthy and everything, mm -hmm. 10 fingers, 10 toes, mm -hmm. eyes and ears. Um, and I think that really was a huge moment in my life of knowing that I wanted to get into healthcare. Okay. Um, so that was really, really amazing, unique experience in my life that I think I look back on and say, this is definitely what led for me to go to biomedical, bio, biomedical engineering and ultimately I think was helpful to understand why I wanted to have a career in healthcare. Yeah. So at 11 years old, you see a live birth and you're doing all this. You didn't think, oh my God, I need to run as far away from this as possible. No, surprisingly, I think it also showcased, you know, that I loved being in the action and mm -hmm. seeing how things were, were done. Yeah. And I think that definitely translated as, you know, I got into the orthopedic and the surgery aspect of medical devices and I've always had a pretty, you know, strong stomach on... Uh, um, seeing some really interesting, you know, blood, all of that aspect that has never really something I shied, shied away from, which I think has been really helpful, especially when you're going to see live surgeries or really being involved in the nitty gritty of understanding the technology. Yeah. So with that experience, you could have gone one of two ways. You could have gone in the engineering space or you could have gone directly to clinical, right? You could have mm -hmm. then potentially thought about that. Was that something then throughout the next however many years, primarily through high school, that you were considering? Or was it very much, no, not really the clinical space, I'm really more interested in the engineering space? Mm, I think and engineering was just kind of becoming more, I think, mainstream, especially biomedical. I think when I was applying in high school, there was only 10 universities in the U.S. I was actually accredited for my biomedical engineering at the time, mm -hmm. but I really fell in love with like physics and found out I was good at you know, the math and science in high school. And luckily I have an older sister who's six years older than me and she kind of paved the way for me and she did chemical engineering. So I got exposed and had an understanding of what engineering was before. And I think because I really enjoyed some of the other, um, like the the physics aspect of math and science had led me a little bit more towards engineering, knowing that it would be a solid education and could still keep doors open if I wanted to go in to med school eventually. No question. So how many schools were you really looking at and how did you end up at the one you ended up going to? I think, again, out of the 10, I really wanted a university that um, was more metropolitan Okay. Area. Um, so I think I only applied to three schools and ultimately went, decided on Stevens, mm -hmm. Stevens Institute of Technology. It's in Hoboken. 
New Jersey. Um, I think I really liked the aspect that it was a school that most of the students, if not you know, all of them were dedicated into either business and technology or engineering. So everyone was taking the same classes, everyone was in the same high pressure environment. And I think I really loved that aspect of finding people all around me that was incredibly dedicated, hardworking, and really found interest in the same subjects that I did. When you got to Stevens, did you see that there was a significant gap in the male-female mix, or was that not something that... Yeah, I think when I went there, I want to say it was like 35% females, Mm -hmm. I think was the ratio. I think they're getting, they're doing fantastic at recruiting more females, and I think it's just engineering in general. general, There's a lot more STEM programs for young girls now, so they're definitely leaning in more. I I don't remember the exact ratio. I think it's almost 50, you know, know, 40, 40, 60, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Did that play a significant role in your experience there, you think? Or did it just mean that, hey, so what, I'm a woman, I'm just going to make it happen no matter what? Yeah, I don't, you know, it was, it really didn't, um, I would say, have a significant aspect on, like, the quality of my education Mm -hmm. or finding and connecting with um, other students. I think everyone was incredibly supportive. At least biomedical engineering was more 50-50, male-female. I think for me, I ended up joining a sorority, which was fantastic because I had a lot of um, older sorority sisters that were fantastic mentors to really help navigate some of those decisions or understand what classes. And I think that was much more instrumental in the success of my college career. That's great. Are there specific classes that stood out that were really interesting that thought I made the right decision or were there some that you thought what the heck am I doing here? <laughs> I think um, a lot of the biomechanics, biomaterials, things of that sort really inched me into being more interested in orthopedics mm. and medical device than the pharmaceutical route out, out of the gate. And I had a fantastic opportunity because I ended up doing the co-op program. So I did five years in college, but I graduated with close to two years of professional Mm -hmm. experience. And I would 100% recommend a co-op program or even internships because I think it teaches you more what you don't want to do at times and allows you to kind of try things in a safe environment in, you know, short periods of time and then be able to pivot if you don't like a certain role or job, especially in a safe environment in, in college. And I think for me, I ended up, I did a, um, uh, an internship in a cell culture lab in, uh, for a pharmaceutical company. And it was a fantastic company, but I realized really fast that that wasn't the perfect fit for me mm-hmm. and ended up then going into some internships in um, cranial maxillofacial as well as like orthopedic industry and really decided to double down and wanted to network more and, and get some additional experience and figured that's really where I wanted to start my my career. Okay, so what year did you start school? 2008. Okay, so started college in 2008, finished in 13. Yep. Okay, so got your bachelor's in what? So bachelor's of engineering in biomedical. However, it was in, in one of my last internships, I got, this is when I got introduced to marketing. Mm-hmm. And it was because I was working on a newly launched product in the CMF space. And I got to work directly with sales reps 
and surgeons. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed this avenue, and I was a custom implant, so I really got to see what the surgeon was looking to accomplish for an individual patient. And then it was like walking through the product development cycle all the way through manufacturing to ensure that it met the surgery date. And a lot, had some great mentors um, while I was there, and they entered, they said, this is very similar to product management. You should really consider this. I think you've got some great skill set and people, you know, it's, it was a lot about having the technical skills, but then I also really enjoyed understanding more the clinical workflow and the commercial and sales side of it. And, and that's when I, I really started networking more in marketing. And to supplement my really technical engineering background, I had this amazing opportunity while at Stevens to take some um, MBA courses while I was there. So I ended up taking some master's courses in business, and albeit I wasn't able to finish, of course, a full master's program while in undergrad, but I got two grad certificates, which I think just added some level of credibility when applying for full-time roles, just to showcase that I was really serious about pivoting full-time into, into marketing, and I think helped just generalize some of that yep. fundamental business knowledge. So right out, for, right out of the gate, once you graduated, with your bachelor's in engineering, there was already the concept of that's not the direction I'm really going to go in. I'm already going to pivot from day one more than anything. Yeah, and that was a big decision for mm. me. And I think, I don't think I had anyone else in my graduating class or anyone in my network at college that did something Surely. like that. And I think I was met with some tension and resistance especially from the you know the the career yeah, guidance program and they, yeah yeah and they, and I do remember them specifically saying like are you sure this is what you want to do mm-hmm. I think they were saying I don't think your salary is going to be as high as a starting for engineering I don't know if you're going to be able to find a job and also we can't help you because we don't have yeah, the network. There are no connections there, yeah. exactly but luckily that's where the benefit of having some of these internships mm-hmm. and knowing at least more about the industry, I targeted, I I kind of narrowed down, I wanted some level of, you know, within the realm of orthopedics, and I wanted to work for a big company. And that narrowed down my search, and I just, you know, stayed true to myself and said, no, this is what I want to do. And actually, I graduated without having a job. And that was, you know, a a good lesson for myself on on grit and perseverance to say, you know, here's my graduation cap, and I moved home for three months while I was interviewing and I think that was devastating for me to move back in with my parents um but ultimately I got this amazing what what really was my dream job out of college and they relocated me up to Boston and I've been here ever since Mm. and it was a fantastic first role that got me into global product management at a really reputable orthopedic company and I got to really see what excellence looked like there on what product launch looked like yeah. globally and had a, a significant amount of responsibility. Did it feel like you got thrown into the deep end all of a sudden, given that this wasn't your specific background in mm. your education? I definitely think that there was some strong learning curve, mm. especially more on probably the finance side of of marketing that it did take me some time 
um, early on, but I had, the great part is anywhere I've gone, marketing has been like a melting pot of backgrounds. Sure. There's people that are ex-engineers. There's people that were, you know, came from research or a lot of people even came from finance. I mean, there's, there's a lot of folks that come from different backgrounds. So mm -hmm. everyone has some thing that they're really strong at and other things that they're really working right. to build up, whether that's, you know, soft or hard skills. And I think that was the beauty behind, I could always lean back on my engineering degree and that instantly gave me kind of credibility with the technical team and that was really my my comfort zone if you will so I just leaned into that and just tried to learn as much as I can which was definitely drinking out of the fire hose yeah, yeah. and some more of the business side how long did you work there in that particular role I was there four and a half years okay. um, and definitely went through some corporate restructure mm -hmm. so the beauty behind that is I was initially came in at more of a global role that worked more closely with the cross-functional team that developed the products. So I had to really understand the market and the customers and say, here's what we should be developing and designing, and here's why it would meet our customers' needs, and then be on that core team as they do every single stage of the de development cycle. Um, and then the restructure allowed me to dive into the US market and really better understand the sales and commercial strategy and also you know, how to bring a product to market and amplify the the message and really kind of drive towards broader adoption. Did you get to travel at all? A lot. Yeah. And I loved that. It's something I, I do really enjoy as part of my job, but I really enjoyed especially getting access to see products in motion in the global environment, mm. meeting with international customers, hearing about their workflow, what their considerations are. I just it's been a really exciting aspect of the job. Yeah. What was your favorite place that you traveled? Ooh, I got to go to Shanghai, which was, I think, cool. and I was in my early 20s, and I think that was a really amazing yeah. experience. Yeah, because when else would you have gone there? <laughs> I know, exactly. As a young post-college post professional, paying, uh, not you know, having them pay for you and not have to worry about paying for yourself. Exactly. You definitely yeah. do it a little bit differently when you're yes. with colleagues. Always. and <laughs> When somebody else is picking up the check, definitely. <laughs> you eat much better, 100%. for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, international business is really cool, just in general. It's uh, its own learning experience. So for anybody who hasn't had a chance to travel internationally, one, you should definitely do that, but then work for in a position that allows you to understand how business is done outside of our bubble of the United States is also really cool. Um, so you pivot away from the global space, which was probably a lot over the course of however many years you were in that space, and then really focusing in the United States. Do you then find, or did you find that how things are marketed or used is different region to region, or is it very much like US, this is how we do things here? I think a lot of healthcare or medical device companies, like US is the largest healthcare mm, market surely. and tends to be dominant even in from like a revenue generation perspective. So yeah. it tends to influence more product decisions. Sure. But very often the how the product is used or even what the physicians are looking for globally is very different. I mean, obviously, healthcare systems are wildly different over there. Patient populations, there's so many different aspects. Mm. Um, so it was very interesting 
especially when I was at that role, to have like one foot in the U.S. and having to have one foot globally and manage the revenue expectations as well as customer expectations. I think that was definitely and has continued to be a learning, yeah. a really interesting experience yeah. throughout my career. Yeah, I'm also then curious, because we look at the United States and everybody looks at it from the outside as being just this one very uniform type of concept, right? America, this is how we do it. But then from the Northeast to the Southeast to the Southwest, it's also very different. Did you also then have to navigate that as well in the marketing space, or did you feel like one size fits all? No, not not at all. I think the U.S. is more complex than people, mm. I think, initially suspect. Sure. And obviously, just based on you know provider types, reimbursement, I mean, it, there's just so many different complexities. And I think even site of service and where geographically there's different yeah. you know aspects of it. I mean, even I was in sports medicine for, for a little while, so you can imagine some areas of the country are wildly different from a patient Surely. population yeah. than others. So there's definitely some really interesting avenues and nuances to get into and learn. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because I think when people – they just assume marketing is like, you find a product, you make a nice advertisement, you put it on oh, a billboard. Oh, yeah, like right, the, you, you make shiny brochures yeah, and everything right. looks great. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the lead behinds or the TV advertisement or the billboard, and that's really it, because that's all you need, as long as you get in front of some eyeballs and what else is there. But inevitably, marketing as a concept and a structure is there's so much more, which is why people go to school for it for years and years and years. It's not simply who does the best artwork and then class picture somewhere yeah I think there's an art to how you message a new technology and then of course there's so much strategic thinking behind how do you bring a product to market who are your customers what are their challenges what does your product solve for how do you want to message that how do you price how do you price it and how do you go beyond just the kind of early adopters and really make this a main, you know, a product that has, you know, it's more mainstream and has, really can be a new standard of care. I think that's, takes more than just the creative aspect. And I think that's what attracts a lot of people from, with finance backgrounds or engineering backgrounds into the space. Um, It's a good kind of blend between business technology technology, I think, people and creative. Yeah, which is great. Um, And I'm sure you continue to develop all those things over the course of those four and a half years that you were there at that particular role. Was there something specifically that then made you decide, okay, I'm going to look somewhere else? Mm. Or why would you then want to decide, okay, now it's time for me to move on? Yeah, I got um, introduced to a startup company in Mm. the orthopedic space. And it was a fantastic... I, I knew I wanted to take a risk in my career. I think I was at a stage in my life that I had the opportunity to take a bigger take a bigger risk. And startups, I think, are always one that it's a personal choice on what risk you are willing to, um, you know, really take a chance on. Surely. And I, this technology was fantastic because it really leveraged a lot of the experience where I just came from and allowed me to, to come in at the ground level on a technology that wasn't FDA approved yet and 
um, they were just starting out their journey. And it was great for me because I had all the drive in the world and <laughs> just needed one and some great mentors and really be able to put my fingerprints all over a brand and technology and showcase what my skill sets are to bring something to market. And I absolutely had the chance at the startup company to do that. I think it was a fantastic technology to work on and market. It was fun and I was really incredibly passionate about it. And I think that definitely shined through in my my work. And the people there were like family and, and really supported my my career growth and you know we went from you know it was a small one room you know office to true startup and I stayed there for over four years and mm. built out and launched their three product families they had um, you know multiple distributor reps all across the the U.S. and you know, I, it was a fun experience for me because I got to wear a thousand different hats. You know, the true startup cliche. You wear a thousand different hats, but it was true. I was, yeah. you know, I did all of the product launch, you know, launch plans and supported the strategy behind it. But I was medical education, sales training, <laughs> um, uh, trade show and events. You know, you wear a thousand hats. And that yeah. was really, I think, exciting to kind of be able to experience everything and have responsibilities for all these different aspects, it definitely makes you appreciate the operations at a larger organization, for sure. Yeah. I think the most interesting part about the startup role and what you just talked about is it also helps you understand what you don't want to do, mm. right? Like, hey, we're still young in our careers in our late 20s and early 30s, but now I can check off 10, 12 different things that I'm definitely not going into that particular position or any opportunities that might come around in this particular segment or channel. Because um, as pressure as uh, as pressure heavy as it is, and difficult as it is, it at least helps you progress in some way. If it's checking boxes that you need or unchecking boxes that you need, it at least gives you that. And for you to have been there for four years, I'm sure there were a lot of those opportunities as you just talked about to check and uncheck, to then help you springboard into the next opportunity to say, well, I definitely didn't like this. So if that shows up in the job description, there's no way mm-hmm. doing it. Um, in four years, did you at any point think like startups is exactly where I like to be or did you think I would rather go back to the more established type of environment that I was at? Yeah, I think it was definitely, you know, a, a constant thought in my, my head of like next steps in my career and I really love this technology and the company's doing fantastic and I'm so proud to see how far they continue to grow and I am probably their number one, you know, cheerleader on this this side. Of course. Um, I think it's always interesting in different stages of your career, you prioritize different aspects of where you want to grow and I had the opportunity then to um, go you know, change roles and go into a medical, another medical device company in the women's health space, and I was focused on AI. And that was a really unique challenge that I wanted to throw myself in another deep end and learn a different aspect of medical device in an area that obviously is a consistent buzz right now and has so much growth going on. For sure. And I was really, you know, going back to my, you know, the, the anecdote of when I was 11 on the women's health space was always something that was interesting to me Mm -hmm. and this seemed like a a role that 
was a great next step for, for me in my career. And it was going back to you know, a little bit of a larger global organization, mid-size, let's call it. Um, and it was just another unique challenge. I was ready for another another challenge really for myself into. And I think for personal reasons, it was also what I needed at at that time. Yeah, in my I career. can imagine. I would imagine on that four after that fourth year, it's like, all right, I need to take like a deep breath, you know, almost to be able to say that. I can say that because I many of the people that we've had on this podcast need to make a change for a whole myriad of reasons and some of them are very much like I just need to not do everything and run around all the time Um, because especially in that situation it's very hard to say no given that you've already had three and a half four years of that everybody throwing everything at you you can't just wake up one day and be like yeah I don't want to do that that's not my job yeah I I can I think it's startup life is not for everyone you have to love the chaos of yeah. it and the constant pivoting, but I think the people make the startup company. Sure. Not all startups are the same by right. any means. Right. And I think if you have strong leadership with a strong strategy and direction and you look around to your peers and you say, okay, I am good to be in the trenches with these people day in, day out, and you love that, that that's when it works. That's yeah. when it clicks. That's when this becomes kind of more than just a paycheck and I think honestly if you're out of if you're debating going to a startup company if you don't connect into the mission and you don't really believe in the unmet need that that technology is solving for you will burn out yeah you need that as your north star to be that continued you know passion mm-hmm. and driver for you yeah I think that's interesting you say that because not just for me the concept uh, to take that almost one step further is not just the mission but also whoever sells you on joining that, like, mm-hmm. you need to want to follow that person, right, through the wall. <laughs> yes. For sure. I, d- I do think that you need that person, for sure. That's the strong yeah. the strong leader, and I think I've had the, you know, the amazing experience at that startup company. It was fantastic leaders that were so influential mm-hmm. in my career, and I'm incredibly grateful to all the experiences that yep. they provided me, and they, they trusted me significantly and threw a lot of responsibility at me and I I would not I don't think I would have grown as much in those four years if I didn't without them at the helm right so then you switch from sort of orthopedic into into women's health yeah women's health AI yeah women's health AI man talk about a change um having no outside of that one day in the neonatal space (laughs) having no real experience in women's health AI was that again right back into the deep end for you or did it feel like at this point eight nine years into your career it's most of it's the same but really it's just the product itself that changes I had the benefit that you know earlier in my career I was at a larger medical device Mm. organization so a lot of the processes and culture was was similar um, but it was drinking out of the fire hose, so we didn't sure. learn any new clinical yeah. space. Of, right. of course, that's going to happen, and I knew that. I always had, you know, peripheral on a pulse on the market and the players. Mm-hmm. But obviously, getting thrown in, it definitely was a learning a learning curve. And I stepped into a role that I had direct reports, who few of them were all of them were subject matter experts. Sure. They knew the clinical space, they knew the technology, so it was fantastic. And I I love the opportunity to learn learn from them as well 
Um, so I think that's that was the benefit of yeah. being able to step in and just be confident in my own skill set and what I bring to the table, but can be learning in the process. Was that the first time that you managed people directly? No, in the startup company, I had okay. man, I helped build build a small team, um, but this was definitely you know another chance for right. me to you know manage definitely more experienced um, team members, which was another really sure. amazing um, career growth move yeah. for me. Yeah, it's some, there's something to be said about managing people that are older than you. And, and you know are just more of an expert in a particular space than you are and having to then navigate that in addition to all the other things you have to do. So Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it always comes down to, you know, knowing everyone's human and right. understanding what's important to them. I think, you know, I've managed people that have been in a similar life stage to me sure. and I've also managed people that you know are in completely different yeah, right. life stages so just I think adapting to each individual person and knowing what they really really need and that's always for me been an exciting from a people management perspective I really loved that aspect but I think I just love working on a team and yeah um, you know coaching and mentoring others for sure was that the role that you had pre prior to this one? Yeah, okay. yeah. So you were there for? Yeah, a year and a half. Okay. Um, and, you know, I pivoted because I think I came to the realization that I loved startups. I mm. think that was, uh, as much as I love big company, and not to say I will never go back in my, my lifetime. Sure. Um, but where I am right now, I wanted to stay in the AI space, and but wanted to go back to a high growth startup yeah. company that seemed like the fit where my skill set would shine where mm -hmm. and where I'd be the most fulfilled and excited mm -hmm. excited about. So it was a fantastic opportunity to found the role where obviously you are you yeah, and yeah. I are at today. <laughs> um and it's been what, four months now for me. Okay. How long has it been for you? One month? Yeah, three. Three months? One. One. <laughs> three. Three months. Uh, some days it feels like one. <laughs> Let's be real. Some days it feels like one. I've spent a month almost here. Oh, this, in the at, office, in the traveling. Office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so what's your current title here? My current title is Director of Strategic Marketing. Okay. Um, only because I <clears throat> am curious about this now as I think about it more. Has title been important? as you've progressed from company to company or is like level of role important where people care about manager, senior manager, associate director, director, is that kind of st important Yeah, to you? I think it's interesting. For me, title has been a consideration, mm -hmm. but I think I've dug more trying to into understanding what's the level of responsibility, sure. accountability, and right. what's more the growth opportunity. Because you could have the best title or one you that's yeah, a stretch, correct. but if there's no other room for growth, then it becomes a less attractive opportunity. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, you know, as much as I can't say title has never been a consider consideration, because I do think that there co it comes with a little bit of what experience you bring to the table and your your reputation, and I think um, just first impressions when you're interacting either with internal stakeholders or external so yeah. things of that sorts has been I think at least helpful in the early stages but for sure not have been like my top criteria right. for jobs and then before we get into sort of what you're doing in this in this position have you always once you got to Boston 
did you always just want to stay here? Were you only looking for roles that were local, or were you? Mm. Did it just so happen that serendipitously you have stayed in this area for your whole career for the most part? Yeah, I mean, there's probably been times that I have actively sought to get out <laughs> of Boston. Has that been in winter? Yes. Yeah, sure, <laughs> but sure. then I learned how to ski, so yeah, I'm surviving surviving it here. But I think it's just hard knowing that I've wanted to stay in healthcare mm. to think about another city that is a better hub yeah. than Boston. Sure. So it's what's kept me here. Yeah, it makes sense. I think people know the startup world for Silicon Valley being like the capital, right? But they don't realize that within however, however many square miles of Boston, Cambridge, Somerville, Harvard, there's just so much happening in the biotech space. Absolutely. Until you get here. Mm-hmm. And then you walk down a couple streets and you think, oh my goodness, let me think about all the names that I just walked by. So. <laughs> Sure. Um, director of strategic marketing. What does the day to day look like for you? So, I report up to a head of um, go to market and mm-hmm. commercial. Mm-hmm. So, where I sit right now is more kind of leaning towards brand and product marketing and mm-hmm. less on product management, mm-hmm. which I've leaned into and I'm excited especially in the AI space where my previous role was more on product management. Now I get to kind of do the flip side on at a startup. And it's very much leans into my experience previously at a startup to do similar aspects of how do we bring this product to market? What are the launch, what's the launch plans look like? How do we, what messaging is surrounding our products? How will we promote that to clinicians? How will we gain their trust to utilize uh, the solution? And how will we get them to understand the value of it to their patients? So day-to-day, I think right now, (laughs) has been a lot of voice of customer exercises. And that's been, I love that aspect of being able to talk directly to customers about the technology and see see what resonates. And it's a lot of pre-planning because we're not, commercial yeah we don't have a product on the market Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of test and learn as you as you go which is incredibly exciting and you get to build everything from from scratch which is you know a fantastic opportunity and at times can be a little daunting because you want to build something that's a scalable platform and and so you can continue to grow on top of it so I know this is course was a new pivot for you as well right because we talked about orthopedics, women's health, and then now... Cardiology. Cardiology. What was that learning curve like for you? I, I mean, I think I'm still in the learning yeah, curve, sure. for sure. Um, I, I think I probably always will be. <laughs> in any sector, I think, especially when you're around some of the most world-renowned cardiologists, like no you're question. never going to get to that level. Right. You're never going to have that full experience. So I think there's always going to be something new mm-hmm. to learn. But I think the beauty behind it here, and I'm curious to see if you think the same, is that I don't think I need to be the full-fledged clinical sure. expert. We have a lot of folks here that that are, and that just the opportunity to walk over to their to their office and ask them questions and learn from them. Yeah. I think that's where I'm trying to lean into leveraging their expertise and knowing what I bring to the yep. table. Yeah, that's I would agree with that wholeheartedly because I did not come here as, so full disclosure, we work at the same company but work on completely different projects, right? So <laughs> yeah. in, I'm not involved in the cardiology space. I'm much more involved in the 
the data harmonization and curation space, mm -hmm. which is not something I have any idea understanding about. Like I'm just learning, just recently over the last however many years at my previous position, understood AWS, Google Cloud, Azure, all, all those things that need to, people just spouting off at the top of there because that's their space. And so not having that experience, I don't need it because I do what I do well. I don't need to be a subject matter expert. And just like you said, we already have some of the industry-leading people in those spaces. It's not. The hardest part is just making sure that when people are talking to you or around you that you understand enough mm -hmm. to know what the keywords are that you can go look up later. <laughs> All the acronyms. Yeah, I yeah, have my yeah. little like, dictionary yeah, on the to. side. You yeah. have to because you're just like, man, I might not need to know this, but... I didn't understand a word of that conversation. So I would imagine in the cardiology space, there's some of that as well, right, where you need to understand all these new For things, sure. But. And I think like, I know you talked about imposter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Previously. I mean, it's, of course, especially in the cardiology space, you're no turning on a fire hose or even on you yeah. know, data harmonization. Forget it. I'm yeah, still yeah. <laughs> trying to understand um, that as well. But I think it's, not being afraid to ask the questions of like, hey, can you explain this a right. little bit further? For sure. Even at the director level, you have to do that. Right? That's like, <laughs> yes. it's very important for people at our level to be humble enough to know that we don't know stuff and just mm -hmm. go and tell them this is how it is. So you gave me sort of the broad overview of what the day-to-day -day looks like when you are explaining to a friend, mm -hmm. somebody who's not in this space, how do you explain what the role is at a elevator pitch level elevator pitch level um i explained that i'm at kind of a ai startup company mm -hmm. in the healthcare space mm -hmm. that is in cardiology mm -hmm. so we're taking a look at ekgs right and we're using state-of-the-art ai on it to really help identify um, cardiovascular diseases earlier and there's huge i think from that aspect, there's usually someone that has some relation to cardiovascular right. diseases. So For sure. they generally tend to understand what the benefits of right. helping identify those patients earlier in the in the process. No question. What would you say is the best part about the role that you have? Mm -hmm. I just I'm constantly amazed by the talent here mm -hmm. and constantly inspired by what this technology can potentially do sure. and I think that continually that continued inspiration and drive is really exciting as the company continues to grow and I can see the potential and I really yeah. get excited about bringing bringing this out of research and into commercial actual clinical for sure things that's really great I think from especially for you to be able to say that because I feel like when I ask this question to a lot of the other guests you know, the best part of their job is, oh, I get to work with some cool people or, or whatever, right? It's not that the mission of the company is one that they're tied to, mm. right? They feel strongly about it. And the fact that you feel that way after what is seemingly a short amount of time, four months, um, but to still feel that strongly and to know that there's a lot of good that you're going to be able to do from this is really great. So Yeah, and I think that's been an intentional, at least in my career. I've mm -hmm. sought out working on technology that has that huge opportunity sure. to be breakthrough and really have a massive impact. That's really where I wanted my career to go yep. and have sought out those opportunities because I know that's the perfect place for me. Which is awesome. 
So on the flip side of that, what would you say is the most challenging or most difficult part? I think there's just complexities where I've, you know, there's aspects of, okay, I was at a startup company before. I think I know how some of these early stages go, but this is a definitely more of a complex startup because there's different forces of parent company, other multiple parents, if you will, and sisters and just that complexity level, um, it's definitely been a, a, a learning curve that there's no, there was no um, guidebook when you joined. It's learn on the go. Yeah, makes sense, and I feel that. <laughs> I know what that's like. Um, so similar to that, are there things that you need to do, want to do outside of work, to try to help you be a better employee, be a better director of strategic marketing? Are you doing those type of things, or? Would it be helpful if you had time to do certain things like that? Hmm. That's a good question. I think um, I have really leaned in some kind of professional societies in my in my career, mm-hmm. and I think Boston is a fantastic spot for that. Mm-hmm. And I would love to continue to kind of grow grow my network in that aspect. And I think it's another great opportunity. You never know if that's gonna, you know showcase a different person that is a great mentor or you find an interesting company that's doing that might be a, a really good success story right. or something of the sort so I do wish I can spend and carve out more time for yeah. network and I know that's probably a cliche answer but I think I've had organic opportunities to do that at other companies and I do want to find more organic opportunities here that's cool so that's external internal mm. what does corporate mobility look like for you like in terms of what would you want to do next do you want to then become the head of commercial do you want to be the VP of whatever whatever is that something that drives you yeah I do I do love being able to own strategy and and really lead lead a team and so I that is something I'm always attracted to but I think that the great part here is that possibilities are endless so coming in you know really early stage and there's only opportunities I think for for growth and that was also an attractive opportunity to go back to a a startup company knowing if this continues to take off like we have been and what we've accomplished in 24 months is from the time the company was incepted was incredible so um I have no doubt that those opportunities and that growth will be will be there in the future but I think my bigger focus right now is how I can be impactful as we get closer to commercialization and really be a key driver and team member on that. So given that you're in the startup space, I think now that we are in the startup space, but your situation is uniquely different compared to mine, um, what's the work-life balance like then, given how few people there are? And I think a lot of people assume, and you've sort of talked about this in your career in the startup space too, because you do wear so many hats, you don't have the time to do the other things you might want to do, like network or just learn other things or develop personally, professionally. What's that like in this current space? I think I have, in my life stage, I mean, I'm. it's not like I have kiddos yeah, to sure. um, have to be accountable mm-hmm. for, so I have a little bit more opportunity to be selfishly focused on my career Mm -hmm. and that I'm really enjoying right Mm -hmm. now um I think there's I definitely have a lot of 
hobbies on the side, if you will, that I think keep me connected into Boston. I mean, I, I love the Boston Ballet. I've got connected into, into them. I love um, sailing has been a new hobby of mine. Definitely can clear my mind while being <laughs> on the water. Um, so I, I think that those types of um, activities that just really kind of allow me to press reset, something that I have been more intentional about protecting that time, especially on weekends, to do. Um, and I think just reconnecting into friends and finding time, um, even with, with mentors as well, to you know go to dinner with or sure. be able to have some chats. And then I think that's, you know, I don't really think there's a work life. I don't even, I don't know if I want to call it balance per mm. se, as it's just, you know, knowing what you need when and um, finding some time to unplug. Yeah. It's funny you say that because when you, we talked about Boston Ballet a couple of weeks ago and then I started to get all the targeted ads for Boston Ballet. <laughs> yeah, so Instagram. There are. It's coming. I, now that we've talked about it again, you know, it's coming. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about where the future might hold what the future might hold, excuse me. Um, now, as we think about retrospectively, mm. right? Um, first question for you, you took a bunch of classes, got some certificates related to the MBA. Is that still a thought? Would you go back to do that? And if so, when and mm. why? I don't think I've seen an M not having an MBA as being a hindrance yeah, in sure. my career thus far. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen some folks in my network, especially at previous companies that have gotten to fantastic levels without having it, where experience has been kind of the, yep. the, the MBA mm -hmm. in action. And I do want to get to leadership. I do hope I can be in a you know VP role or hire at a startup company, especially one that I'm really proud of, whether you know that's here or elsewhere. And I, I think... Um, if an MBA becomes something that I'm really feeling is to help bolster that kind of business background or even to help um, with networking or yeah. some of the soft skills or just round out what I'm missing, then I wouldn't, I would lean into it, but I don't think it, it's not something I'm pursuing right now. And I think we'll just continue to be a potential opportunity in the future if I need it. Sure. Cool. Uh, as we think about it then holistically in your journey, um, were there any specific milestones or is there one specific milestone that you look back to say that was the thing that really set me on the path that I'm going here? I don't know if there's one or is that there's there's been a few that mm -hmm. has allowed me to kind of pivot it's never like my journey isn't linear right. by by any means like I I look back and think about okay what was what was that first milestone that got me really excited sure. about healthcare and the pivot of product going into product and marketing and then the pivot of take a risk on a startup company yeah. and then getting into to AI and get you know having falling in love with a women's health space and now going back to a fantastic high growth company that's in the AI space but for cardiology like I think that those I'm proud at those little pivots and just really understanding what's best for me sure um and knowing that who knows what the future is gonna gonna hold I'm definitely open open to you know you can't always like put a specific 
title or role that's going to be the the end point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know kind of my guiding you know, North Star has always just been working on really amazing technology that I'm incredibly pa- proud and passionate to be a part of. And I think I always just kind of lean into that being my North Star. That's cool. How about individuals? Are there specific people? You talked about your parents being very influential early on. Um, your sister a little bit being able to guide or pave the way for you and not have to worry about going in a STEM mm-hmm. you know, degree. Sort of post that, outside of, of course, your immediate family, are there individuals that have been very prominent in that journey? Yeah, there was a professor that I had in college that I got connected to um, Dr. Lombardi that um, was really supportive mm-hmm. of me leaning into business mm-hmm. and the healthcare space and really supported me saying, I, I, this is what I want to do in my, my career and really helped build my, my confidence um, to, make that, to make that leap, which was fantastic. Sure. And then the um, CEO and COO of the first startup company that I worked on was just such incredible mentors to me and really coached coached me um, and gave me a lot of transparency and they were just huge advocates for what my career was leading and I was so grateful for that and look back at those four years as being a fantastic influential Mm -hmm. part of my my career and now in my life I have a absolutely fantastic um, mentor who I see as just such a role model for me in her career. She's, you know, CEO of some AI companies, and she founded her own um, nonprofit mm-hmm. as well. And and I have really adored just having her, you know, transform from being a mentor to also being a good friend of mine too, and just see her as someone that I really aspire and get really excited to understand what's going yeah. on in her life and she's retrospective you know also gives me a, a such fantastic career advice sure are you still in touch with the ceo and ceo of that first company do you talk to them regularly i wish i could more because mm. they've been really really influential to me and i think that's always something i think as part of my you know journey is keeping in touch with people as i change mm-hmm. industries mm-hmm. and maybe not organically see them at at trade shows or mm-hmm. locally that's definitely something that is on me this year that I would really love to kind of reach back into people in my network to just see where they're at and say, you know, connect you and re-strengthen some of those relationships. Yeah, that's cool. Um, are there things that you wish you did differently? For example, would you go back and consider changing your major in college to do something more marketing related given that you ended up in this no I don't think I would change change anything about either my undergrad degree or any of my career decisions I think you know there's ones that I look back on that maybe were some missed opportunities that I said oh I should have said yes to that you know temporary assignment for one year that maybe I was really nervous about it wasn't going to be you know it wasn't a stable longer term spot but could have really given me a unique different role for a year um no I don't think I don't think I've had any massive 
regrets by any means. That's great. I mean, how, how could you be in a better position than to look back and so, you know, a 10 year career and be able to say you have no regrets? Um, which then leads into the last question that I always ask people. So, uh, two part question advice that you would have for yourself, the 11 year old you who is really excited about neonatology that particular day. And then advice for people in general who are thinking about making significant pivots in their career or mm-hmm. want to get into something more strategic and marketing related um, as you have. I think, you know, advice to my younger younger self would just be, it's just as important to learn what you don't like doing mm-hmm. or what you don't want your path to be as it is understanding what is the right path. Sure. Um, I think sometimes they're so focused on finding that best right next step or what's really that next um, role or industry or company and I think sometimes it's okay to start to explore and whether it's doing informational interviews or um, get to know a different different role or part of the business it's definitely great to have that learning experience to know exactly and feel more comfortable in your path I think, um, you know, other other advice. Ooh, um, that's a really good question. I don't know if I'm gonna have a good one right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay to. I mean, I've definitely gone into different clinical spaces and had to constantly ha- be put in front of that learning learning curve. Mm-hmm. And I really think that it's important to not get too comfortable or settle or feel like you're not continually challenging yourself. So don't shy away from, you know, the role that might be that that deep dive because you, you know, I hope there's always that quote, you don't know how strong you are until you put yourself, you know, a tea bag in hot water. I think that's the, it's a great opportunity to say, like, continue to always find a way to challenge yourself there. Awesome. Great. Well. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us today, sharing some of your story. Um, Anything else you want to tell the listeners about your journey? No, thank you for the the opportunity to come on and share, share my story. I really appreciate it. By all means. Well, on behalf of my guest today, Kimberly Baker, this was Shashua Baxi. Everybody, ladies and gentlemen, take care, stay safe. This was My Life Be Like.